You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode number 56. I'm a doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Shush. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. Today we're discussing the 11th Doctor regeneration story, The Time of the Doctor. Uh, Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Good. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. So the 11th Doctor, Matt Smith. Uh, My wife reminded me last night, I have to say, that uh, a lot of Doctor Who fans have a tendency to think that everyone knows the num- who, which number it goes with which Doctor. Because <laughs> I'm trying to explain to her, you know, oh, it's the, the 11th Doctor was doing this, that, and she's like, wait, which, which one is that? I, everyone always yeah. uses the numbers. So I said, it's the well, Matt Smith and, one. And this, this episode kind of makes it even more confusing where he talks about the number of the re- regenerations. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. yeah, it makes it even more confusing. Right. So, uh, so that I just, to, I'm going to guess that if you're listening to a Secrets of Doctor Who podcast, you're probably a fan who knows the numbers. But if you don't, if you're new to this and you're just trying to find out about Doctor Who. So uh, we're continuing our series, looking at all of the uh, Doctor's regeneration stories. And this is the last Doctor regeneration story before the 12th Doctor's regeneration coming up at Christmas. That would be Peter Capaldi. Uh, and so uh, we've, this is sort of the end of our our, our rewatch of all the Doctor regeneration stories, starting with the first Doctor and all the way up to uh, now the eleventh Doctor. Uh, so, uh, and if you don't know who Matt Smith is, you can infer from what from what we just said that he's the one before Peter Capaldi. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. He's- laughs> like if you're a brand new fan who's never seen any previous Doctors. This is the previous one. That's right. Yep. Uh, so, uh, with that, let's listen to the sound of the trailer for this episode called "The Time of the Doctor." Now it's time for one last bow. Like all your other selves. Eleven's hour is over now. The clock is striking twelves. Exterminate! The siege of Trenzalore is now begun. Silence will fall. Clara, step away from it. What are you? Why do I keep forgetting you? The Time Lord has entered the trap. You will die in Help him change the future. Do it. The time war will begin anew, and this world will burn. So the end of that trailer kind of feels like how the whole show was, which was very lots going on, uh, yeah. stuff coming at you from all directions. So let's let's some of the basics. So this uh, aired on Christmas uh, 2013, which is the was the second regeneration episode to air on Christmas, right? Uh, or did because I don't think that hmm. the ninth Doctor's regeneration occurred on Christmas. That was actually on New Year's Day. Was uh, yeah, David Tennant's. David, uh, that's right. That's right. And. Uh, Christopher Eccleston's was the last of the season, and then the Christmas special was the first David Tennant. Right, for it was the first half of the of the tenth Doctor David Tennant's regeneration. That's true. Uh, so, 
this one occurred on Christmas, and uh, the the next the one we're anticipating coming up uh, uh, is the um, the twelfth. Uh, also Doctors. on Christmas. Also on yeah. Christmas. Yeah. And, and I and I, one thing that I think is worth pointing out is I think in general having a regeneration story on Christmas is a mistake. Right. Because they feel the, and they've kind of gotten away from this, like with with the return of Dr. Mysterio, Christmas was barely in that. And that helped the story. It was the best Christmas special we'd had in ages because it didn't try to focus on Christmas. But there are only so many interesting things you can do with the concept of Christmas in a science fiction show. The best was the Christmas Carol episode. Uh, That was awesome. But in other Christmas specials, they've kind of tried to shoehorn Christmas into a, into a story about something else, and it hasn't always worked very well. And I think this is an example of that, because mm-hmm. what we should be focusing on here is the regeneration of the Doctor in this episode. That's what the story is really about. But because it's a Christmas episode, they feel the need to shoehorn Christmas into it with this ridiculous Santa Claus village type thing on the planet Trenzalore, which up to now has represented nothing but doom and despair to us. Yep. And it's like a little tourist Christmas village, and it's actually named Christmas. So <laughs> it's just a colossal distraction yeah. from the drama this episode ought to have. So, and and to kind of recall, you know, the 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 way things worked out at this this uh, this last season for um, Matt Smith. Matt Smith. So the the previous regular season episode was the name of the Doctor that that aired in May of 2013. Then there was the Day of the Doctor, uh, the 50th anniversary special in November. Right. Um, I'm trying to trying to get back to my notes here, uh, which was in November, mm-hmm. which we already talked about. And then there was this episode, which is more than a month later on Christmas. So it's been seven months since since the last regular season episode uh, and everything that occurred on Trenzalore uh, with the silence and, and all of that. And to be honest, in my memory, I was remembering I conflated this episode, Time of the Doctor, with uh name of the doctor which frankly because they named them so similarly is part of the problem well, yeah i don't know why they got in that kick where there are three episodes in a row four if you want to call count night night of the of doctor the, night of right. the doctor yeah with the same of the doctor ending i mean it's as bad as the daleks where in the old in classic who there's probably what half a dozen dalek episodes or whatever of the dalek right right genesis of the dalek and resurrection of the dalek and revelation of the dalek same yes. kind of thing. You know, I don't know why they got on that kick. Camping trip of the Daleks. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so as I'm watching this, I'm waiting for that whole scene where the giant TARDIS and, and, and Clara goes uh, back through the Doctor's timeline. And I'm, I'm like, this doesn't seem right. And then I realize at the end, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We're at the end. Yeah. Uh, and, and it just totally threw me off. So 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 what happens? We kind of talked about it. Um the episode begins as uh, an, an, a voiceover narration, which kind of reminded me of the Tenth Doctor's regeneration. A, a voiceover narration to begin by one of the characters who are in the episode, um, and uh, we're told that all that this message went out from this planet, 
and all of these, everyone from all over the, the universe came to this planet, uh, all of the Doctor's enemies, essentially, uh, came to this planet to because they were called by this message that they can't translate. And uh, then we have the Doctor show up in the uh, on this ship um, carrying a uh, Dalek eye stock uh, and <laughs> and says, this is proof of my of my strength or, or whatever it was. And it turns out he was on a Dalek ship. Desire for peace. desire for peace and it turned out to be a Dalek ship yeah uh and he's transported back so apparently he's transporting now uh that was i don't know if that was that a thing the doctor being able to transport well um there has been there has been transporter technology on doctor who ever since william hartnell's era they would typically call it transmat right um matter transmission yeah Okay. And so there have been various devices that had transmat capability. But the doctor has has that capability then? Well, he's he has devices that can enable him to do it. I mean, it's not he doesn't do it natively. Yeah. I'm just thinking like there there are so many uh plots shows episodes that would have been very different had we Oh, when you're <laughs> when you're 1400 years devices come and go. Right, right, right. Okay. According yep. to the needs of the plot. Uh, and then we have this this <laughs> Cyberman head that uh, he calls Handles. Handles. Uh, because yeah. of the the bars that on yep. the head yeah, that he can hold on to. That, his, his current companion is I, Handles. I guess. Yep. I mean, exactly. uh, we don't, we're not told where it's come from. I mean, he kind of references that it's just it's a, it's a, it's a Cyberman head with all the biologicals gone. Which I, I'm glad that they made that distinction. Yes. Because then it would have just been creepy. He's carrying around like this... this decapitated head with the human brain in it and it would have been really yeah so yeah so so handles is basically his 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 alexa (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) and like like and he gives handles various instructions that it doesn't exactly carry out the way he wants kind of like alexa that was that was rather that was i like that little interaction of the uh how exactly you know literal it was remind me okay i'm gonna remind you now right well yeah. <laughs> it's 2013 i think that siri was new then uh and yeah. so siri and google google assistant i don't think was out yet uh alexa wasn't was there working. yet oh sorry i, I just activated it on alexa alexa stop siri i, I activated my yeah alexa. i know <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a reason why i we said, said the word said, yeah. okay and then yeah google. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure Siri was around then. And so uh, so this might have been a play, you know, uh, playing on that, you know, uh, current pop culture moment where because it is like that sometimes, isn't it? You try to make a, a, a reminder and it wants you to say exactly when. Like, I don't know. I just want to be reminded at some point. Just not now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, so so we go from that and we've got um, I don't want to want to jump through this you know moment by moment, but. Uh, uh, you know, kind of hit some high points because one of the things that that struck me was, I I had forgotten that we had met Clara's family. This is this the only time we ever see Clara's mom and dad? I I think it may be. Yeah. I mean, other than that, I mean, we 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 meet Danny Pink and people that she works with, but right. in terms of her proper family, I think this is the first and only time we see them, <clears throat> at least that I can remember. And they're celebrating Christmas with the typical British traditions like the paper hats and the paper crowns. I guess everybody gets to be royalty for a day on Christmas or something. Right. Well, it's the three and, kings, I think, is the, is the idea. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. And then the crackers. Um, they come out of the crackers, the, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, those are, which is a kind of toy yeah. that they have. You pull it apart, it makes a cracking sound, and you get a prize. Um, the and, and this scene is overlaid by, you know, comedy. Uh, you have uh, Clara is trying to pass the doctor off as her boyfriend to her family. Um, and the doctor shows up and he's nude, but her family, her family sees that, but Clara doesn't because her, his clothes are being telepathically generated in her mind and he's forgotten to extend that to her family. So we have this awkward humor involving him being nude in front of her family on Christmas day as her boyfriend. And uh, anyone for Twister? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was sort of a uh, the reason, and the reason he was naked was because he was going to he was the, going to church to church, and it, when you go to church, you're supposed which, to be naked. Uh, apparently, which of course, we all do, right? Right. Yeah, <laughs> of course, uh, under my clothes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So, exactly. Uh, so more awkward humor involving that, and I guess it's sort of the extreme version of. The ground where thou art standing is holy. Take the sandals off thy feet. <laughs> Only it's yeah. way more than the sandals. And everything else. Well, yeah. and also with her, her family, the family dynamic, uh, does Stephen Moffat not like his parents? <laughs> because, like, every every, every family, parent. every parent, uh, you know, like every mother and every father that we encounter, you know, not- Except Rory's dad. Yeah, yeah. Rory's dad comes off pretty well, I gotta say. Uh but general, other than that, like almost, yeah, almost every parent, like uh, Will uh, Wilfred is 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 a grandfather, so th- that's different. Grandparents are okay, but parents, and that yeah. was that was also uh, Russell T Davies right, too. That's true. Uh, but even then, um, so it's not just Stephen Moffat; it's also Russell T Davies because uh, uh, Martha Jones's mom was a parents because her dad was kind of an, a, a dummy too, like uh, the whole mm-hmm. that whole thing, mm-hmm. and then. Um, uh, Jackie for Rose Tyler, Jackie, Donna and, Noble's mom. Right. There's just this thing. I don't know whether it's it's a it's a cultural thing where we we where parents are just sort of funny and we play them off for kicks because this is a technically a show for kids and it's funny to well, to have weird parents. Unfortunately, or, we see that we see that here in the United States too, though. You know, you look at a lot of the Disney quote unquote Disney teen shows, and a lot of them the parents are incompetent. Or overly aggressive, or you know, right? But they always they always look like fools. The kids are always the smart ones. The kids are always the ones that solve the problem. The kids are always the one that get around the rules, and the parents just look like buffoons. Yeah. So in that sense, it's probably just as well that's the only time we ever see Clara's parents uh, in the in Prince. the show. Because uh, yeah. I mean, I her mom and her dad were just basically stereotypes of uh, characters we've seen before. There's nothing very interesting in yep. them. Uh, so they, off they go to the, the TARDIS. Um, so, and then they, so, so guarding this planet, uh, that everyone has come to the first ones there were what we've seen is the, the papal mainframe. And right. it's not the first time we've we encountered the papal mainframe and this army that is built around a church and this very, it's a security church. And I gotta tell you, like the whole thing having to do with this papal mainframe and security church thing, church of security, whatever they call it, it's very weird, and I don't know what to make of it. Is it is it supposed to be making fun of Catholicism or something? I I don't I don't think so in its core. I think what they're trying to do, is, and because we've had respectful treatments of this future church before, <clears throat> like in uh, the 
the two-parter involving the weeping angels right. at the crash of the Byzantium. Right. You know, that's where we first met this kind of militarized church. And the doctor explains it to Amy by saying, well, it's the 51st century. The church has moved on. And in that episode, the, the soldiers of the church, I mean, you have a bishop and his clergy, and it's weird that you'd have this military function for a church, but they're portrayed respectfully. I mean, they're performing a valuable service. And so I think that it's, you know, in any kind of science fiction, if you're imagining things, things thousands of years in the future, it's natural to say, okay, how is it going to be different than what we have now? And that how is it going to be different is a legitimate question. Now, you can, you can challenge the answers they propose to that question, but the fundamental question is legitimate. And here, you know, I, would, I, I don't like a lot of the stuff they did. Uh, you have this uh, Tasha Lim person that the doctor's apparently known, and she's very flirty, and she has these, this sinister eye makeup, and... You know, and, and yeah. She's the mother superior. That, yeah. Yeah. I find that just icky. And and you also have and and this is more of a writing flaw, I think. This is supposed to be the payoff of Matt Smith's doctor's story arc going mm-hmm. all the way back to his first episode with the release of Prisoner Zero and the prophecy that silence will fall. And then we meet the silence, and we have a, a plot it, with uh, River Song being set up to to kill the Doctor, and they paid that off. And now we're supposed to get up to Silence Will Fall, and the Silence are going to be involved. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, it fizzles out completely. Yeah. We have we have the Silence now. We're told that they're. Um, Confessors, that they're confessors and that they're really popular confessors because you forget you confess to them, which makes absolutely no (laughs) sense. Exactly. It it, It should be the other way around. It should be the silence forgetting that you confess to them. Exactly. I would need to remember that I've confessed so I don't just go and confess those sins again. And I don't feel guilty. I want my confessor to not remember them. (laughs) Right. Um, uh, So that makes no sense. and And the weird part for me was when they first introduced this church. It was just the church. Yeah. And for people in Great Britain, especially, church the church is the Church of England. It's Anglicanism. It's not Catholicism. Catholicism is a very small segment in Great Britain. Well, except bigger, except bigger from now. the beginning, it was bigger always now. the papal mainframe. It was always that, that, that papal And that's kind of the weird, aspect. again, that's the weird part, because, it, you know, again, the idea of the church is going to, you know, Church and state, at least in Great Britain, used to be, I think it's probably weakened a lot now, right. used to be very closely connected. So, right. I don't know. Yeah. That, well, that was kind of my, we, my thought, we, too. We also have had, and it's a deliberate mix. I think they're being deliberately unclear about it. They have some things that reference Catholicism, like papal mainframe. Yep. And then they have other things which reference Church of England, because in A Good Man Goes to War, we met the, whatever they were, gay married Anglican oh, yes. Marines. Yeah. And right. they were specific, they were specifically said to be Anglican. So, right. Um, so that points to Church of England. But um, the, the thing that's the larger point to me here, apart from this religious stuff, is, you know, the silence have been villains up to now, and suddenly they're the good guys, and we have the entire 
plot or the entire plot against the doctor involving the silence and river song and Madame Covarian dismissed and explained away in a line of dialogue as, yeah, that was the Covarian faction that did that. And it just, you blink and you miss it. And this was the major story arc for Matt Smith's doctor. Right. Like the, the whole thing of them taking over the planet earth and all of that stuff is just sort of, well, we need to do something new. So we're just shoving that uh, off to the side and, and it, I think it's disrespectful to the audience in a way. Yeah. Because if it, you're going to, if, if you go ahead, go ahead. If you're going to give me a prophecy that silence will fall, you need to pay that off and you need to pay it off, not in a line of dialogue. And if you, if you have promised me doom and despair on Trenzalore, you need not to have it be in a quaint Christmas village. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. That's the so we're get, we're we're coming to that to to that particular piece too, which is so. I just wanted to kind of point out some of the elements, like the uh, I, I, the it was funny to me that the confession that the the uh, transporter the 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 mother superior's transmat uh, looked like a confessional. I just thought it was kind of funny, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and that it's less funny that she describes her bed as an altar. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, it, yeah. It's a, is it a bed that looks like an altar or an altar looks like a bed? And that's, that's rude. That, uh, that's, that's not, good. it's just rude. Yeah. Um, so then you, they, when they're on the planet, so they encounter the weeping angels. Cause we gotta, we gotta bring the weeping angels into it. Apparently. Um, and Clara had never seen weeping angels. I'm trying to remember. This was her yeah. first encounter. It seems weird yeah. to me that, that, in in her time, yeah, that they all. never did another Weeping Angel episode, but I guess they hadn't. Well, there was concern, I mean, because the Weeping Angel started out so strong in the episode Blink. I mean, they right. were amazing in that. Yeah. And then every time you bring them back, you lose something. And so Stephen Moffat made a decision to not bring them back very often. So he used mm-hmm. them at the crash of the Byzantium, which is kind of where you get to see what they can do when they're out and moving. And then you, he used him again to trap Amy and Rory in the past yeah. for that companion departure. But he hasn't had a big reason to use him until now. And actually, there was criticism of their use here, that it's just another further diminution of them. Right. They didn't use them very much or you know, very well. I mean, they get away from them fairly easily in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're not seen again. Um, so it was kind of odd. Um, so there, there is an interesting point actually in in this in this part of the the episode that's sort of a kind of a a little tidbit. Um, the mother superior wouldn't let them go down to the planet with any technology, so she took away the doctor's TARDIS key because she thought she thought he could call it by remote, which he can. Um, but he hid a key under his hair because he was he he has this shaved he was head. One day, yeah, he was he, bored one day and shaved his head. So the, the this this whole bit of the of the show came about because Matt Smith had filmed this American movie called Lost River in which he had needed a buzz cut and it the hair had not grown back uh enough for him to uh to have his trademark quaff, you know, his trademark wild hair. So in this episode he's wearing a wig and and when he's bald in this he's got a little bald cap over his un Un, you know, grown out buzz cut. 
So that's they they incorporated this into it. The other interesting thing is is when Amy shows up later in this episode at the end, the uh, spoilers of course. She she's bald too. She's bald too. That <laughs> is a wig. Because Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> right. So it's just kind of funny. We had uh, two two of these major characters uh, uh, who are actually bald wearing wigs. So I thought it was funny. Um, <laughs> so we've got this. We find out that the that the message is coming from the crack in the in the universe, which is the crack in the wall. Um, it's Gallif- and that's a nice callback. Yes, and it's, that that it, ties us back into the beginning of the Matt Smith era with the cracks in the universe. Right, and it's a nice connection to the Day of the Doctor, which is Gallifrey trying to come back into the universe through this tear in the fabric of the of space and time. Um, and it, apparently, the message when it's translated is the oldest question in the universe: Doctor Who. And so, uh, in, correct me if I'm wrong, because I wasn't certain on this point. They're asking the doctor to give his actual name, his real name, because mm-hmm. if they if he does, then they will know that this is really our universe or something, and they yes. can come through. Yes, right. Okay. And and this is something that's been prophesied um, back in the, in the resolution to the um, I think it was in the the wedding of River Song. It's the the whole death at Lake Silencio plot which again with the silence you yeah. have the tie in there um where river apparently attempts to kill the doctor and then after that after the doctor survived that he takes the head of dorian maldivar whatever his name is the blue guy big fat blue guy right and um and is depositing it and dorian prophecies that he's going to be asked the oldest question in the universe the question that's been hiding in plain sight in circumstances where he cannot refuse to answer or lie. And and the oldest question, of course, is Doctor Who. Right. So and they've also set up that it, they also set up in the wedding of River Song that there's a some mysterious reason the doctor can never reveal his name because it would cause some horrible disaster if he did. And so he's it's we have this dramatic tension where can't reveal his name because of the um because of the uh terrible disaster that would occur but he must reveal his name here because he can't refuse to answer or lie right on Trenzalore and so that sets us up when he finally gets to Christmas Village Trenzalore um it's under a truth field that's that, so leaking that's through why he can't lie yeah yeah, they, the 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 uh, the 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 time lords are are sending a truth field through the uh, crack in, uh, to, that surrounds this Christmas village, um, and they have some humor with that. Where um, the doc and actually some of this humor I think is fairly successful. Yeah, where the doctor and Clara, who are not used to operating in a truth field, are like blurting out their secret thoughts. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Clara <laughs> almost reveals that she has uh, feelings for the doctor. Uh, but, but my yeah. favorite part. <laughs> also, she says bubbly personality hiding control freak. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love when the when the uh, the couple is walking away and the doctor says that must present uh, 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 immense problems to your village. And the woman says, no. At the same time, the guy says, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and, and so the problem with the Time Lords coming back is if they come back, the Time Lord, the, the, all of the enemies of the Time Lords are surrounding this planet. And the time war would be, would rebegin uh, anew, and we'd, we'd be back where we started uh, with this destructive time war. 
and the papal mainframe uh, wants to prevent it, and that's why they have this shield around the planet. Um, so, so there's a bunch of hoo-ha running around with the TARDIS. Yep. The Doctor tries to get rid of Clara by sending her back to Earth. Yeah. Just like Christopher Eccleston did with Rose. Yep. Only Clara grabs the outside of the TARDIS and comes through the vortex, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not the first time someone has, has gone through the vortex. Captain Jack did Jack, that yep. once. Yep. And actually back in, I I think the it was either the William Hartnell or Patrick Troughton era, someone actually got thrown out into the vortex and, and killed, apparently, um, who was a villain. During a during a TARDIS flight, um, so things like that have happened before. Um, one of the things that's interesting, I had seen an interview years ago with Stephen Moffat talking about how what he had planned for Matt, Matt Smith's departure, and he said he had come up with the biggest. Um, it was something that had never been done before in terms of a Doctor Who regeneration, something that was he thought was going to be awesome. And I can only infer that what he was talking about is the fact that Matt Smith's generation is, is brought about by the fact he protects Trenzalore by not giving his name for a thousand years right. in order to save it. And he battles off these various monsters during the course of that time. It's A lot of that, I think, is less successful. It's kind of played for laughs. Like he's telling the kids stories about defeating a monoid, which is an early Doctor Who villain from the first Doctor's era. It has one eye, so it's called a monoid. Yep. Um, and um, But the the essence of it is... He stays here like Amy Pond is the girl who waited. This is the doctor who waited. And yeah. so at his his mode of self-sacrifice is not giving his name, not liberating himself and protecting this village for a thousand years with, or 600 years or something like that. With his belief that he 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 will not regenerate again. He's used up his his re regenerations yeah. now, and he's going to now, die. Now, that's new, though. That's something that wasn't part of Stephen Moffat's original plan because and I guess so I guess we should talk about that. The reason that he's the 11th doctor, but it's really his last 13th incarnation because Time Lords can only regenerate twice, uh, 12 times. Um, the reason that Matt Smith's the 13th regeneration is number one, because in the time of the 10th doctor in the uh, the end of the world. Um, or Journey's End, one of those. Uh, the Doctor is at, at a cliffhanger, shot by a Dalek, and announces, I'm regenerating. And then he uses that regeneration energy to create the, what's called the Metacrisis Doctor on the other side of the cliffhanger. But according to Stephen, and, and nobody interpreted this as a full regeneration at the time, but Stephen Moffat did. And so he said, okay, that was one of the regenerations, and he explains it away in this episode by the do having the doctor say, "I had vanity issues at the time, so I kept the same face." <laughs> right, yep. and um, so that's kind of cute. But then the other, but and, and so Stephen Moffat may have had that in mind from the beginning, but what he didn't have in mind, as you've pointed out recently, Father Corey, 
is the war doctor. Exactly. Because the war doctor was originally not part of any of this. It was going to have been Christopher Eccleston's doctor who fought the time war. And, um, and it was only when Eccleston wouldn't do the show that the war doctor was created. And so that was the 12th regeneration that got used up. And so it's actually a very late development that this would have been his final regeneration. So it seems the original plot was just to have the doctor wait protecting someone until he naturally aged to the point he would have to regenerate. And then because of the events surrounding the uh, the 50th anniversary special, it added more drama with this mm-hmm. being the final regeneration we've been counting towards all this time. And how do we get around that problem? You know, and I have to admit that the, the, the whole thing about the, you know, the Time Lords giving the Doctor a whole new set of you know, 12 regenerations is like, yeah, I nailed that one when I was like third grade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we all knew that was going to happen. Well, I'm glad yeah. they didn't. I'm, I'm glad they didn't do it piecemeal. You know, they could no. have given him one new regeneration, but then we just have the same problem in three years exactly. and that would be boring. So um, we don't have I to like do this again fact- for another 50 years. Exactly. <laughs> or or if three-year average, we'll have to do it again in 36 years. Um, by the way, for people who, who may be thinking this is completely out of the blue, giving a new cycle of regenerations, it's actually not. Um, it, it actually goes back to the 20th anniversary special in The Fifth Doctor, Peter Davison's era, where I was called The Five Doctors. And in that episode, the Time Lords offer the master a whole new cycle of regenerations if he helps them out. And so they've already demonstrated they have the ability to do this. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, it occurs to me, I, we're, I'm, this is really about the day of the doctor, like my question, but since we brought it up, is there a reason they didn't get Paul McGann to just be the war doctor? Do we, do we know? That's, that's interesting. Uh, I don't think we do. I haven't heard anything about that. I mean, he, he obviously may not have been available. Well, he obviously came in to do the Night of the Doctor, uh, but what? Yeah. But I'm, I'm wondering why they why they didn't just go. The Eighth Doctor was the War Doctor, and and he regenerated is, into the Night. This is the, just my speculation. Um, mm-hmm. Is that they just wanted it to be a new Who special? Yeah. yeah. You know, the Night of the Doctor was to tie in the old, you know, classic Who with new Who. But the day of the doctor, they wanted to be a new who special. They didn't want anything from classic. Right. It it would have and and I I agree that that was my first thought too. I, I think it would have been really there would have been it would have been really a fan pleaser though oh, yeah. to have a Paul McGann war doctor. Um, well, in one sense, he uh, is new who. But well, yeah, he's the, he's the he's the he's the bridge the hinge yeah. between the two. Um, and it would have been really cool to see him again on screen for a full thing, but he may simply not have been available for that amount of filming. Right. Or um, Stephen Moffat could have in- arguably correctly intuited that it's even more interesting to have this mysterious, hushed-up incarnation that we've never heard of before. Right? I think I think it it is great. I mean, as much as I would have loved to see Paul McGann do what he did in the Night of the Doctor for the whole day of the doctor special exactly. having john hurt on screen was pretty cool i mean that was that was a, yeah that was a good oh, episode yeah. um so uh, while we're talking about the like, interesting behind the scenes little tidbits um as the doctor aged in this he got a cane and was limping around everywhere 
Well, that actually was necessitated by the fact that Matt Smith injured his leg during filming and, and needed the cane to get around. He, he was actually hobbled pretty well. Uh, and I think he, in fact, got minor surgery after they finished filming. Um, that happens periodically on sci-fi action shows. Yes. Same thing happened on Babylon 5 yeah, Harrison to more than one character. Right. Harrison Ford famously got injured during the filming of uh, The Force Awakens. Uh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just that, that yeah, was when interesting. He, when he fell off that huge bridge after being stabbed with a lightsaber. <laughs> Yeah, you'd, think that, that. you'd think that the lightsaber would have been the big <laughs> Had thing. Had to have minor surgery after that. Yeah. <laughs> so Spoilers if you haven't seen it. Oh, wait. Yeah, it's two years. You, you've, you, need to watch, you should have watched it already. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't say under what circumstances or what the outcome was. Right. Uh, you know, the interesting thing that uh, I get on... Um, is the doctor straight up lies to Clara that he ne- would never leave her again. Um. But but there's a truth field. He's not supposed to be able to lie to her. So how does he get away with it? I mean, and what is and why? You know, why well, he straight up lies to her. But you know, what? How does he get away with it? They're in the TARDIS. I guess plot oversight. I know. I guess I mean, the, the second time he sends her off, they're in the TARDIS having this conversation where, oh, the turkey's done. Go grab the turkey, and then he quickly jams it in and runs off. Right. I don't. I don't remember the specific words he used. If there's a uh, mental reservation, he could be using of some kind. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Um, the the interesting thing. So we we, uh, we had it set up earlier that uh, the Christmas crackers were purchased by Clara's mom, and they they instead of being the fun ones with jokes inside, they are the boring ones with poems, uh, which is the kind my wife would buy. She doesn't listen to podcasts, so I'm I'm okay. Uh, she, she's a she's a she was an English professor, so she likes poetry. Uh, but so uh-huh. Clara takes a Christmas cracker with a poem to the doctor, and she reads it to him, as we heard in the uh, trailer at the top of uh, our show. Uh, now it's time for one last bow, like all your other cells. Eleven's hour is over now. The clock is striking twelves. Um, is do you know if that was a real poem by somebody, or was that written for the show? I I, I recall they said a name, but I could now I can't I couldn't remember, and I couldn't go look it up. Um, so, I don't know. I, I it seemed to me like something that was written for the show. It would have to it, be, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it was written for the show. It appears. Okay. So, and Clara tells him, you know, the time was have been asking the the wrong question. You know, his name is the Doctor. It's all you need to know about him. And and uh, and so they they are conv- she and she pleads his case to the Time Lords, and they uh, then give him that. A uh, new cycle of regenerations, and do do we do we intuit or do we know that this is when Gallifrey returned? Because we'll see Gallifrey again in in Heaven yeah. Sent and Hell Bent. Gall- yeah, Gallifrey. This is the point at which they come back. They don't materialize in the sky here. Yeah, the the crack in the sky vanishes, but we can infer they've identified this is the correct universe, so they're coming back into it somewhere, somewhen. Um, we later find out it's at the coordinates of Ga- original coordinates of Gallifrey, but at the end of time. Right. So they're away from all of the events of history. Um, but we then get, we have the regeneration scene where Matt Smith's very aged, decrepit doctor suddenly gets uh, with all that plastic on his head to make him look old. Um, gets this n- massive surge of Artron energy which he then uses to blast all of the Dalek ships in the sky and stuff. 
And personally, I just found this problematic. Um, I don't know that I totally mind him blasting all of the Dalek ships with his regeneration energy because they've shown before that that this energy can be very destructive to things in its environment. Um, but what I don't like is Matt Smith's aged man swinging his cane around, getting excited and going to into hyper-boasting, aren't I so amazing, overdrive mode mm-hmm. in the midst of this regeneration. Um, I, I think it would have been more effective if he had just let the energy shine out and destroy everything without all of the getting excited and boasting about his own greatness and how awesome this is going to be. Right. He says stuff like, um, uh, tell me the truth. If you think, you know, it lay down the law, if you're feeling brave, but Daleks never, ever tell me the rules. Uh, and he says, we're breaking some serious science and it's going to be a whopper. And he ends with, you know, love from Gallifrey boys and shoots them out of the sky. You're right. I mean, it's kind of like that over the top manic. I mean, this is Matt Smith at his most iconic manic, uh, style, you know, that, yeah, the, but I think it's also new who, because right. we have this starting, especially with, as we pointed out recently with David Tennant's doctor, we have these boasting sessions right. that to me just always fall flat. Right. Um, so we, 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 we go from the, him blasting them out of the sky to the, to the TARDIS, uh, you know, um, Clara is in the TARDIS and she sees him there, and he's he looks like his young self again. Uh, he's he says it's a temporary reset, and that he's holding he's been holding off the regeneration cycle. So here we have this mm-hmm. this whole thing uh, again. Uh, the doctor seen it. Yeah, yeah. this is the, I think the third time we've seen it where the doctor holds off a regeneration cycle. Um, he's kind of has these uh, hallucinations of of young Amy Pond, and then he sees the older Amy Pond. Um, and explaining it is the this was that's the first face this face ever saw so it's very meaningful to him right. and this actually caused a lot of consternation in some quarters of the fan uh of the fan world um a, a lot of fans apparently thought it somehow cheapened things to bring Amy Pond back for this kind of goodbye personally i don't have a problem with it um it's it. Amy Pond was a very meaningful character to this doctor in this phase of his life, and you know, and people do think about those that have been very important to them. Uh, I mean, heck, technically, Amy is the doctor's mother-in-law, right? <laughs> and, and but even more than that, she was a companion and a friend. Yeah. And and when people are dying, which is what this feels like to the doctor they do think about their loved ones and the people they've lost and the and people course, they would like to see, but can't and, right now. And of course we've seen that how many regenerations where there's been the, you know, the, the doctor sees his companions, yeah. you know, you have to survive doctor. You have to, you know, especially all the, all, all the, the way back to, sixth, to you know. yeah. And all the way back to the, to Tom Baker's fourth doctor, where after he falls off the big radio telescope, he sees his various companions and enemies just saying his name. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I I liked it. I mean, plus Amy Pond was a very popular companion, um, and and to bring more so than Clara in a lot of ways. Yeah, there was a lot of criticism of Clara, especially at that point. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Amy, there was there was comparisons, and and Clara was coming up short at that point. Uh, and then we have this 
instant regeneration. We don't have the blast of Artron energy flying out. It's sort of a blink, you know, snap your fingers and suddenly it's Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Uh, which is a very different kind of regeneration. And is very, very different. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, I, 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 I like some of the other. I, 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 there's a sense in which the change is so sudden and it's meant to be shocking and it is. Right. Um, and so it succeeds on that level, but I'm not sure it's the right dramatic choice to have it be just that quick. <laughs> and then you have this very chaotic scene that's very brief where the doctor refers to his kidneys and he doesn't like the color. Yeah. And I think that's funny. But then all he has a chance to say as the TARDIS is, is crashing again, like it was with Matt Smith, is, do you know how to fly this thing? Right. And that bang, the end. And I just feel like we needed a little more here. Um, I would say, excuse me, I'm having a, a moment. Uh, it, I'm all choked up by the departure of Matt Smith, apparently. A little over uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, For me, it was, it was so sudden. I remember, I remember when it happened, I was, I was sort of like, it took me a, a, a minute to kind of realize what was going on. And I think I missed some when the first time I watched it, like it was sort of like, wait, wait what, what, what just happened? Like what, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. Um, and well, it was interesting too because you know, you compare like the new who generations, yeah. David Tennant was only on screen for 10 seconds, 15 seconds, but again, the, the actual regeneration sequence was much longer, um, right? You know, Matt Smith, when he appeared, he had a good minute or so where there's a the whole thing about, oh, my legs are still good, I'm still not a ginger, or, right? Hey, well, you know, I'm whole, not a girl, thing. I'm crashing, <laughs> what am I doing right now? I'm crashing, but it was still, it was you know, a minute, right, you know, that he had. Before it was end, and then this was, and again, but the regeneration sequence was, you know, extended out where the TARDIS was being destroyed by the Artron energy and the radiation that Matt, that uh, David Tennant had absorbed and all that, and yeah, and th this all of a sudden was, poof, yeah, that was it. And, and I think, and you know, Stephen Moffat was was trying to do something deliberately different from what the way David Tennant's regeneration had worked. And so I can kind of give him the snap moment of regeneration, mm -hmm. but we just needed more with this new doctor yeah. before before we had the end because then we had this enormous gap right. until the until uh, the first Peter Capaldi episode, and frankly, they don't even tie up what they set us up for here because the TARDIS is crashing again, and the Doctor doesn't know how to fly it, and all of a sudden. We're in a completely different setting where that problem has been solved and we never see how. Correct. Whereas with Matt Smith's it, coming in, when the TARDIS is crashing, the 11th hour picks up right at that moment. Right. And we see how he deals with it. Well, again, with David Tennant, the same thing where they it goes right from there into the Christmas episode. Yeah. Right. Still suffering the effects of the regeneration in the Christmas episode. Right. Yeah, we like we don't see another episode of Doctor Who after that, uh, after this one, uh, until August of 2014. So, you know, we're eight months. I suppose mm -hmm. in, in one sense, if they're. They're expecting that people won't remember necessarily the if, if they did something that tried to try to like pick up where it left off, maybe people wouldn't remember. I don't know. Um, but. Yeah, it it, it was a. a uh, 
sort of a, yeah it, it didn't pay off that that the ending of this episode with the the beginning of the next one um yeah. so an ant as a little secrets of doctor who history the, this is the uh the next episode was the first episode of the secrets of doctor who where we uh we yep. we looked yeah. at deep breath so we've come full circle in time. <laughs> we have, <laughs> sort of. Now, how long has it taken us? Uh, <laughs> three years. Three years. Uh, yeah, that because that was um, August of 2014 that we recorded uh, that right after that. So it's uh, it it's that's that's been good. We're we're not done yet, folks. We're we're we've got plenty but more. Happy anniversary to us. Yes, in a yeah. in a in a sense. Uh, so the uh, the time of the Doctor, Matt Smith's last episode. Um, Overall, uh, what did you think? What, what was your what's your take on this, uh, Father, Father Corey? Father Corey, you first. Yeah, you know, I, I think we kind of expressed it well. Where it was a very energetic episode, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, you know, the the whole the, the problem when you have a big battle like supposedly this was in this Christmas uh, village where it was you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of battling is it doesn't look like it hard to cover mm-hmm. that and that's one of the big yeah. criticism i have is it, it doesn't look like a place where there's been you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of battle you know so it's stuff like that that it just i was a bit disappointed with it you know of course watching it after the, you when it first airs you're like wow this is cool but later on it's like yeah not so much this one this is one that doesn't hold up as well as some of the other ones have. For, for me i would say that um there were some nice moments in this. There were some good character moments, some funny bits that were, that worked. Um, there were some funny bits that didn't work, but as a, as a whole, uh, I'm not sure it was one of the best of the regenerations. Uh, uh, I'm not sure that it, it, like you said, it worked for me as a whole, frankly, silence. Uh, there was the, the name of the doctor might've been a better regeneration episode. Uh, if they changed it a little, um, than this one, because that sort of that was a conclusion. We've we've sort of had a conclusion to a whole story arc in Time of the Doctor, and now we've kind of tacked on another conclusion to the story arc here. Um, and it, 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 I think it would have been better as maybe even a two parter that combined the two or something like that. Um, uh, but again, I like the character moments. I like the, the the Clara moments and uh, some of the Doctor, you know, moments. Uh, some of the funny stuff. I mean the. You know, there was a funny Sontaran thing, and there's a funny uh, wooden Cyberman, and those sorts of bits. Uh, those were okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of the wooden Cyberman. Well, no. it, it was a well, yeah. That that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The whole like, I I didn't get like, what is it? The doctor did the doctor actually lie to him to get him to shoot himself, or and was he wooden because the Sonic doesn't work well, he- on wood? He 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 didn't lie. He sent the signal, but it doesn't work on wood. Okay, that's what the whole bit again was. the mental reservation. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. Um. So, but there was you know there's some okay bits like that. But uh, as as a regeneration story, uh, it it wasn't great. Like I liked the I liked the moment the 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 last moments in the TARDIS. I liked that interplay with the Doctor and Amy and and Clara and that sort of stuff there as a conclusion to the 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 eleventh Doctor's story um but um there were there was there were some weaknesses to it so um mm-hmm. as far as uh, that was Stephen Moffat's first regeneration uh if you think about it 
we'll see how he does with his second one with the Twelfth uh, Doctor. I thought this episode felt like a Christmas fruitcake. It's just as this kind of conglomeration of stuff that people don't really like. Um, there, um, there were some great bits in this. The character moments I liked. Uh, I liked conceptually that this was the last regeneration, uh, you know, that he would have naturally had. I liked that aspect of it. I liked him getting the new cycle of regenerations. I liked the um uh so i thought that drama worked effectively there were a number of oh i like conceptually of him having him uh protect a place until he ages to the point of death and has to regenerate i liked that on the conceptual level um but this episode still leaves leaves me feeling disappointed uh it didn't pay off the silence will fall arc um, it had a bunch of awkward humor in places, and also it falls prey. It had the boasting speech, which is one of the things I hate. It also had something else, which I pointed out, which is the ridiculous hyping up of the drama level in terms of the threat, this massive threat level. And, um, and if you compare it to the caves of Andrazani, where the only thing that's at threat is the doctor's companion, who he's just met and doesn't really know. You know, that was much more emotionally moving than thousands of spaceships in the sky right. done by CGI. Also, this episode was set up with a huge tease that went on for, I mean, we it was hanging over us for months, but it was through multiple episodes that they were going to finally reveal the name of the doctor. I mean, that they had set that up multiple times, uh, really stretching <laughs> over think, a whole season. And then they then they cheat yeah. to get out of it. And that was a huge tease that even though you can, I mean, you can kind of look at that and go, eh, okay, it's Doctor Who. They're never going to tell us the name. Um, and that's okay on one level, but we had a huge tease on that and they didn't pay it off. That's so true. I thought, I thought the episode was mixed. Uh, profound in a profound way. It had some really nice bits, and sure, I watch it again. But it, I also think it had some profound flaws. I I agree on the whole teasing of the name of the Doctor stuff. Uh, that you know you've got to be very careful as a producer or a marketing arm uh, of a TV show that you don't that you don't lie to your audience. You know that you don't tell them you're going to give them something and then then play fast and loose with it and not. Like not even hint it. Like they didn't even just they, they didn't do it at all. Like we're going to tell you the name. Oh, we're not going to tell you the name. I mean that's that that uses up some goodwill capital that you that you have with your audience, and that's not a good thing to do. So I there, I agree. there are ways they, they there's ways that he could have revealed it to the Time Lord, but we would have never known. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, or they could have done something interesting, like tell us the first syllable, but we couldn't hear the rest, or something. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, yeah. There, there's there are multiple ways they could have done something that was uh, not just straight up lying to the audience. Yeah. So uh, that's it from us. Uh, what did you think of the Eleventh Doctor's regeneration story, the time of the Doctor? Uh, let us know. Uh, visit us at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. Uh, leave us some feedback or send us an email to Doctor Who at sqpn.com 
You can find links to all of our personal social media and websites on our show notes uh, on sqpn.com. We'll be back next week when we'll be discussing the Doctor Who special called An Adventure in Space and Time. Uh, and, and if you haven't seen it, definitely go go take a watch. Uh, it's available on iTunes and some other places, I think. Uh, but until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for sharing in the secrets of Doctor Who. Oh, you're very welcome. Always glad to be here. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all different people throughout our lives, which is okay, so long as you remember all the people you used to be. When will I see you again? Uh, soon, I expect. Or later. One of those...